0: Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Brewing. I recently completed a dry January, uh, many thanks to the help of Athletic Brewing. They are the pioneer in the non-alcoholic uh, craft beer industry. Quite a growing industry, and uh, after, after January, highly recommend so it, this this beer tastes really great compared to a lot of the other non alcoholic beers that I've I've had in the past and gives you the feel of having a beer without the effects of alcohol. Um, so I something anecdotally, just a personal experience. I just noticed that I got real placebo effect from it, um, where I wanted you know it gave me that effect of unwinding after a long day. But then after a couple pops, I still had energy to get stuff done and I wasn't loopy. And uh, I just was a more proactive and with-it human being. So they use all organic gre- ingredients. It's fully fermented, and they offer free shipping nationwide. Uh, so I highly recommend checking this stuff out if you, if you want to cut back on your drinking or you want to just uh, perform high, at a higher, uh, higher level. You want to have beer to have socially. So you can order Athletic Brewing at athleticbrewing.com and use the promo code frideg 20 for 20% off your first order. That's fried egg twenty for twenty percent off your first order. To go along with the health kick, I have been uh, I've been in the gym recently, and I like to interview people that with interesting stuff going on and stuff that I'm interested in, and it got me thinking about the health and fitness side of golf. So today our guest is Barrett Stover, who is the owner of Revolution SP. He trains a ton of professional athletes from baseball players to golfers uh he has trained the likes of brooks kepka among many other professional golfers uh and i hope you enjoy and uh, learn some new stuff from this chat one other announcement be sure to check out our recent fried egg stories podcast about uh, the 1996 gmo greater milwaukee open this is hosted by our managing editor garrett morrison and he uh it's a documentary style podcast takes a ton of time in production. There's a lot of production that goes into it. And Garrett's, you know, put together a really compelling story around Tiger's first start as a professional. Uh, So he talks to the likes of Curtis Strange, Jaime Diaz, uh, the then-Milwaukee Journal Sentinel golf writer Gary D'Amato, Nike's ad writer Jim Riswold, who who wrote that famous Hello World ad. Uh, For now, this podcast is on our fried egg feed. Uh, it's just a couple episodes back, but check it out and uh, let us know what you think and, uh, of the format. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to rolling out at least one of these a month uh, going forward. So now, without further ado, here's our conversation with Barrett Stover.
1: I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. when I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset and when I find my ball in a fried egg fried egg the dreaded fried egg fried egg
0: fried egg fried egg, fried egg fried egg lie I'm about ready to run off the golf course you do you do a lot of baseball training, right? Correct What uh what types of stuff are you trying to unlock with the body with baseball?
1: Yeah. So I grew up playing baseball and that's where my passion was and got me into training the whole rotational sports thing. And I'm sure we'll get to the golf part of this a little bit later, but um, you know, with rotational athletes, it's it's a lot of similar movements as far as we're concerned with training athletes where uh, you need hip mobility, you need uh, strong shoulders, especially the smaller muscles in the shoulders um, you need to, uh, obviously be able to rotate well, separate hip and shoulder separation. Um, you know, everything from the toes, to the head needs to be strong and, and move and move well. So, um, when we're looking at that, we're also specifically with baseball concentrating, obviously on the shoulder and the elbow, making sure that those uh, are as safe as possible. Um, so a lot of it has to do with thoracic movement as well, upper back shoulder blades, um, and, uh, making sure that the athlete can actually like reach overhead, uh, without a lot of other compensations going on. Um, and then depending, uh, usually the lead leg hip, uh, we want to make sure that, that you can land and rotate into that hip really well and off the backside load and rotate off that backside really well as well.
0: So outside of, uh, golf, what are some other rotational sports?
1: Uh, softball, tennis cricket, you could throw in there. Um, you know, all sports have a rotational aspect. Uh, you know, even if you think of like a lineman pulling uh, around the corner for a running back, then he's going to rotate out of a stance and start and start moving uh, that way before he starts moving, you know, sprinting linearly, um, and he's going to have lateral movement as well. So there are aspects of all sports, but really anything where you're swinging an object um, or throwing an object is going to be more rotational. Uh, volleyball can kind of fall into that as well. Where it's a lot of jumping and diving, a lot of uh, forward and backward movement, but you're also swinging your arm, you're rotating um, after you jump. So, all sports have some rotational components on it. They're the ones that we think about, like golf, baseball, softball, uh, tennis. You know, those those specific rotating sports.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the shoulder and the elbow with uh, with baseball is particular like kind of safety points of emphasis make, make sure that, you know, obviously those are high risk injury areas, like in golf, what, what are the muscle groups that you're, that you or, or areas of the body you focus most on? So the biggest one with golf and specifically,
1: well, it gets into professionals as they get a little bit older, but in the, um, average golfer, that's a desk jockey has a nine to five job. It's low back. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, when we look at low backs, there's a lot of things that that feed into low back issues. Um, hip position is a big one. Um, what what can the, usually the, the side of the injury is not the actual problem. It just takes the blunt of the issue the compensation. So when we're looking at someone that has a low back problem, it's usually the hips um, or the upper back, depending on what they're, what they can or cannot do with either one. Um, and when we're looking at golf, it's usually a lack of rotation through the hips and the upper back. And so they rotate a lot through their lower back. Um, and the lower back can rotate some, but it's more made to flex and extend. So that's when people start grinding on those discs. And, uh, you know, usually like L4, L5 is a big one that a lot of people have hurt. Um, and that they end up just, just grind, the, the two vertebrae literally grind on the disc until it, it pops and compress the disc. And that's where you hear people say like, oh, I blew out a disc or I have a bulging disc. Um, and that's usually from lack of rotating through the hips or the upper back. Yeah, it's it's, a, that's a simplified version.
0: It's a, it's interesting that you say it. I have this last year. I had like my first back issues and all I've been doing all winter is stretching like hips and everything. And, and like, yeah. you can feel the pain start to go away, but it takes a lot of time. What I guess for that regular guy, what are the best things they can do that are light lifts, uh, in terms of, you know, I, I go, say I go work in an office every day. Yeah. What are, and I don't, I got kids. I don't necessarily have like all the time in the world. What are the yeah. easiest things you can do to kind of like a, a 30
1: minute room. type deal or something to kind of yeah. get moving? Yeah. Maybe, even um,
0: maybe even less than 30 minutes. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, there's tons of stuff that you can do at home and maybe we can, uh, work on like maybe like a little bit of video series or something so I can for walk sure tags and videos uh, for this sort of thing. Um, so, so everyone, I'm a very visual person. So when someone talks me through something, I'm like, great now show me. Cause I had nothing really comprehended of what you just said. So um, the main thing with that is that the hamstrings and abs become long and weak. So that, and that leads to the low back being short and tight. So we're constantly compressing on the disc uh, because we're stuck in, in low back extension. So um, again, spark nose version would be to strengthen the hamstrings and, um, the abdominals. That would be the quickest way to do it. And while, if you're going to stretch anything, um, stretch the quads and the hip flexors. So we also don't just do any type of static stretching. Um, we have some specific ways that we stretch where we're always activating either the same muscle group or the antagonist, the opposite muscle group. So we'll usually, uh, if we do some type of hip flexor, um, or quad stretch we will go right into a hip extension exercise where we're working, uh, glutes, your butt or your hamstrings.
0: When you, when you're talking about stretching the one while you're activating the other, uh, your antagonist, what, what's the purpose of that? I'm just, um,
1: so if we just lengthen the muscle that's short and tight, it's, uh, for, the main thing is it's uh, gonna be a short-term fix. So you get up from stretching, you feel great, right? You're like, oh, wow, I'm so loose and limber. Um, everything feels you know, feels, feel like a million bucks again. You know, the tightness is gone. Um, research has shown static stretching results usually last around 20 minutes. And then you're right back to the position you're in before. So in order to hold the position, if, if something's short and tight, we wanna loosen it up so that our body can move like it's supposed to, but then we wanna do something to hold that position. Um, so and we're looking at the hips. Like we go from, I'm using anatomical terms here, but we'll, for uh, hip flexor, short and tight will be an anterior pelvic tilt, which is like sticking your butt up and out. And then if we, um, so if we open that up, we want to take the hips into posterior pelvic tilt, which is like rolling your hips under. So you're rounding your low back and, uh, teach the body how to hold that position. Um, so now we're bringing it more into a neutral position. And, and holding it there and strengthening the other side, pulling the muscles, um, using the muscles to pull the hips into the right position. Does that make sense? So we're actually yeah. like holding the position instead of just being like, oh, I found this new position, but I don't know what to do with it.
0: I'm I'm a visual person also, but what what you're describing kind of reminds me a little bit of, of more of a yoga style pose than a, you know, like a yoga style stretch than just say, hey, I'm just going to bend down and touch my toes.
1: Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. And then if you're bending down, touching your toes, you're just stretching out your posterior chain, your hamstrings and and low back and that sort of thing, which, again, could be appropriate for some people. Um, But the majority of people benefit more from stretching the front side and strengthening the back side. It's
0: it's it's really interesting that you say when you're when you're having back problems and everybody talks about you think of like, okay, I'm going to stretch my hamstrings, but your hamstrings are actually like long and weak. So you're, you're like so you're strengthening them When you're doing that.
1: Yeah. So I'll I'll try to find some pictures and put them on Twitter and maybe you can tweet them out so we can, I can show you this because I know like I can picture in my head, obviously this is what I do for a living. But Uh uh, for the average guy, I imagine that uh, you don't have too many people and your majority of listeners aren't majors uh, in exercise science. So um, so the, the idea is that your hamstring attaches to the bottom of your pelvis. So think like bottom of your butt cheek. Mm -hmm. And so if the bottom of the butt cheek is rotated up, it's going to lengthen, it's going to pull the hamstring into a longer position. Can you visualize that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So from that, from pulling it, it's going to pull and make it longer because the distance between the attachment point and the insertion point becomes greater.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so if that happens, they're going to feel tight because they're pulled tight.
0: Oh, that makes total sense? sense.
1: Yeah. 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 So if we're already, if we're already like, if you already stretch, you're already in a stretching position and then you try to go deeper in the position. It's like, wow, this, I feel this a lot more. So yeah, you're already stretched stretching some. So if we can then take that and strengthen it and make that a little bit shorter and, and stronger, um, it should pull the pelvis back into position and get it in the, in the proper in in a neutral position so that we have the hip flexor and quad and butt hamstrings working together. Um, and, and equally as opposed to one being, um, one being super strong and the other one being very weak
0: so static stretching versus you know like active well active stretching is one myth like sports science has come a long way in the last yeah. say decade really even it's finally uh,
1: starting to catch up in golf
0: yeah <laughs> well golf's always ten years behind everything so yeah that's uh what what would you say are some of the other myths out there with maybe specifically for golf or just general fitness? Um, well, for golf, the big one is
1: that like lifting weights is going to make you immobile or tighten you up or, you know, leave you unable to swing a golf club. Um, and that's something that I have tried to, um, I need to probably put more stuff out there, but really dispel that myth. Uh, the great thing is we have guys like Brooks um, and a few other guys that are taking their weight training very seriously, and they're also really good at golf, right? And for some reason, Tiger didn't Tiger was that guy, and then Tiger got hurt, and everyone blamed, oh, his weight. He trained too hard. Well, Tiger did a lot of things in his life that probably led to that outside of what a certified strength and conditioning coach um, who had the proper credentials and knew what they're talking about told him to do.
0: Like the and SEAL been... training?
1: <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So <laughs> that's one thing you know, you read that article where he's running miles upon miles in boots and doing SEAL training. You're like, and then he's purposely trying to get more extension in his left knee and his swing to create more power well something's got to give um and co- uh, athletes are the best compensators tiger's one of the best athletes we've ever seen so he's going to compensate better than anyone and therefore he's going to get the movement from the knee or the back whether it's whether it wants to or not so um just this whole idea that lifting makes you tight and makes you bulky uh is completely false if you go and you lift with like arnold then you might get tight and and, and muscle bound Um, If you get on some type of steroid package, then yes, you you might get a little tight and and muscle bound as well. But if you're doing, if you're seeing someone that knows what they're talking about and you're getting stronger, um, then you should be able to move better as well. So the way we describe mobility is it's strength and flexibility together. Um, Mobility, if you can move really well and you're really weak, it's just as dangerous as being strong and not being able to move. Um, So I guess that's another myth too, where guys just worry so much about mobility it's like oh you know my t-spine isn't mobile and it's like yeah dude well you can't you can't squat 135 pounds for three reps either you can't deadlift 225 like fix fix the low-hanging fruit first and then worry about your t-spine mobility um and just a little little proof of that is we had a kid that played golf um, at a division one school he works at the golf channel now actually produces my my um produces my podcast, Asher Nix. And he came in here and I said, I'd like to do an experiment on you. Um, and he's, he's like, all right, whatever, man. Um, so we, ha- I put him on a bodybuilding program for three months and we measured his, um, we measured him, his club head speed, you know, uh, distance, everything on a flight scope before he started working out. And then after three months, and he was up five miles an hour um, on club head speed. And right. it was like, like I would not if someone if a golfer came in, and was like, "This is the workout you're doing." I'd be I'd tear it up. Be like, "We need to start over." It was zero rotation. It was no frontal plane movement, side to side. It was straight like beach body, get big, workout. Um, and there wasn't. I have to look back. I think there was like one or two hip mobility things in there, and that was it. But it was just straight lifting. Yeah. So
0: would would a better way? to describe I guess golf training everybody I like getting stronger but is getting more explosive
1: yeah no that's a great way I mean yeah that's for sure one way to do it the huge terms functional fitness these days you know functional strength uh, which is way overplayed because then if you just put anything into a golf movement it's functional um, which is also um, a little bit of a pet peeve of mine But, yeah, um, if you become more explosive, then strength is a power of that explosion equation, right? Um, You know, you want to move mass as fast as possible. So um, moving a lot of mass a little bit slower should help with explosiveness, just like moving a little mass really fast should help with explosiveness. So, yeah, that would be a good way to say it. Uh,
0: So something we've touched on this a little bit with, uh, you know, the beach body workout versus, you know, getting a little rotation in it. Something I was I wanted to talk about was the idea of specialization versus like kind of generic training. Where where maybe you play a lot of sports, you know, it, it, maybe your kid or like I remember the the best golf I've played like as an amateur and you know was when I was playing a ton of basketball and I felt yeah. like it really helped because it was a lot of quick twitch and my yep. legs were stronger than ever. But that was a different, completely different sport, right? Right. But with today's day and age, with the specialization, is there value in doing, you know, play, you know, doing other activities that might have kind of residual impacts? Or is it just best to just specialize?
1: Uh, For sure, at early age, it's better. Um, This is a tough question because it really depends on the person. If you Mm -hmm. have a 12, some some people just wire different. If you have a 12 year old just loves golf, loves baseball, loves basketball, whatever the sport is, and they have no desire to do anything else then I don't really have a problem, you know, to let the kid play a lot of basketball, but you should be doing something to offset that. And that's where the strength and conditioning field has kind of filled in over the last couple of years is that um, it's become the extra sport. Uh, So, you know, if you're a golfer and you just love golf and you you can't get away from it and you don't like basketball, you don't like baseball, whatever it is, uh, you know, okay, that's fine. But let's also supplement some things in to where, um, you know, the parent should know better than the kid where he doesn't need to hit, you know, spend an hour on the range, 365 days a year. Maybe it's a month or two where he doesn't touch a club and he just lifts really heavy um, and works out really hard. And then that's also supplemented into this workout the re- or into his training regimen the rest of the year as well. Um, but for the most part, yes, it is better to play sports at a younger age. Uh, it gives you a better movement library is one phrase that we use in our company to say, you know, like. If you're in basketball, you're putting in a lot of different positions where you have to control your body. You have to explode out of those sort of things where if you just swing a golf club all the time, the only time you're in a different position is if you have like an uphill lie or if you're in a bunker or something like that. So um, it just expands your movement library and allows you to um, your body to be able to understand it and move better in certain positions.
0: The What you said about strength training becoming the additional sport, I've, you know, when I grew up, I played a, every sport under the sun yeah, and now, now, now I see kids and I'm like, Oh, they don't do anything, but that's a great yeah. way to kind of explain. Oh yeah. Like strength training. Cause now I go to the gym and yeah. there's like high schoolers, there's like 13 year olds everywhere. And I think to myself, it's like, God, when I was like 12, I was never in a gym.
1: Yeah. For, right. Exactly. And that's, that's also where, again, if you're training for sports, like you can't, we can't replicate, as functional, I'm doing air quotes there, as people try to be, you can't replicate like going up for a rebound, the ball being over your head, you have to reach your arm back, grab the ball, land, and go back up in in like a sports performance ship. Unless you literally throw the ball and have someone catch it there. So the variability that you get from playing sports and the the reactive, you know, you have to, there's a lot of reaction involved in something like basketball too, um, or tennis or something if you want to cross train that way that you're not going to get from just lifting in a gym. But if you are going to see someone that knows what they're doing and they're throwing medicine balls and they're jumping and they're doing sprints um, and they're building athlete first and a golfer second, then they should fill in uh, some of those gaps.
0: How, how do you work, I guess, when, you, when you're working with a high-level athlete, say, you know, professional golfer, how do you work with the – is there any conversation with, say – the swing coach about where the, what they're trying to work on, say they're trying to get a deeper hip turn or something. Are you then also complementing that with exercises that are working on their movement deficiencies that are restricting that, you know, personal swing issue?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, great question. Uh, definitely should be a, a combination of the conversation there. Um, with the higher level athletes, usually they can, uh, communicate a lot of what they're trying to do and um, what they want to do. And again, the higher level the athlete goes, I usually give them a little bit more leeway into having a a say in what we do. Um, If you're 30 years old and you're on the PGA tour or you're in the MLB, you should have some type of feel for your body about what works and what doesn't. Um, So, you know, that doing A, B, and C, you've tried it before. It didn't feel good. Um, Okay. We'll we'll try to supplement something else. And so some of it should come from the athlete as well, but yeah, absolutely. Talk to the coach and say, um, "Hey, I'd really like him to get, you know, rotate into his hip on the load more um, in the backswing." But he, no matter what I try, he can't do it. Okay, well then we find that he has limited internal rotation on the back hip, and so yeah, he actually physically can't do it. So if I can get his improve his internal hip rotation on, on the right hip on the or back hip depending on which side you're playing with, then he should then be allowed to physically get in that position. And then maybe it's just a motor patterning thing or something where it's like, Oh, I've never been able to do that before.
0: Uh, and that makes sense. Um, one of the things in, in golf that is pretty big right now is overspeed training. And I think that it's been, it's been something with your baseball background. It's been something that has been used in baseball for a really long time. Um, what are your thoughts on it? And, and, and for the layman, what, what is overspeed training?
1: uh overspeed training is just using an object to help you move faster than you naturally would in that sport so um it's funny you say this about baseball because there's actually a lot of similarities in baseball and golf about how far behind they are and um like baseball like people still hate technology and so like the use of Trackman like people are like think it's like satanic arts how- or something and it's like go ahead
0: how do you use Trackman in baseball
1: It picks up uh, spin rates on baseballs, and uh, it's a different machine, but it's the same idea, like spin rates and um, velocities, um, release points, stuff like that. So you can then look at, um, depending on how the ball rotates will affect the pitch. So you can say, oh, I need it to rotate this way to get this effect, or um, I throw this pitch all the time and it has bad rotation, so maybe I shouldn't throw it anymore because it's a bad pitch.
0: That's, that's, um that's yeah. so basically it like it, it can teach a it, you know like i do a podcast with jeff ogilvy he always says yeah. like people were always searching at you know monday at, at a tournament was always like oh like i'm trying to figure it out i think i figured it out and then TrackMan came along and everybody figured it out and with baseball yeah. it's kind of the same way with pit, like a pitcher like i don't know why my curveball's hanging and it's like, oh yeah. this is why
1: correct and then you look at like oh your hand position's off and then you change the hand position you see the, the spin spike up and it's like oh, okay that was the issue all along and it gives you the immediate feedback just like in golf if you're like hey i'm why is my driver when i swing a driver why i have 5,000 rpm you know mm-hmm. spin rate on the um on the when i hit the ball and it's like oh well you're slicing it you know every time it's like oh okay and now i fixed my club path and i'm down to 250, uh, 2,500 or 3000 RPMs, which is yeah. about right for a driver, right?
0: I think so. I, okay. I think that's like, yeah, 2,500 is good.
1: Yeah. So we'll say that that's good. Uh, <laughs> I have someone correct us. Yeah. I think, I think it's 1,800 to 2,500 from what I remember. Yeah. Um, and then, um, so that's how they use track man. And then for over speed training, um, I mean, the main thing with baseball, uh, is throwing the lighter baseballs, um, so a regular baseball is five ounces and then, uh, what's been pretty much agreed upon would be the safest way to do that would be to use a four ounce and a three ounce ball. So, um, we use those baseballs and then try to obviously after a proper up throw the lighter baseballs as fast as you can. Um, and then the idea is that it's teaching your body how to move faster And part of moving faster is you're creating greater force. So you have to learn how to to decelerate that greater force. So you're teaching your body and and causing stress in your body that way. So that then when you put a five ounce baseball back in your hand, it's like, oh, I can move faster and I didn't blow up and, uh, you know, like everything's intact. um, So therefore I'm allowed, I can allow myself to and organize my movements to move faster with the normal weighted ball or club in my hand.
0: So it's essentially tricking your subconscious.
1: That has some of it. Yes.
0: To move. So, that some of can. it's physical.
1: Yeah. Some of it is physical. There is definitely a, so the mental part would just be intent. Like, I think that's where the golf thing, I don't mean to take anything away from super speed. They do a great job. But, um, the idea of, well, I think a lot of times, especially with golf or with some baseball pitchers is they just never, they're so worried about like hitting the fairway or throwing the ball in the right place that they just kind of guide the ball or guide the club instead of being really explosive and athletic with it. And so like with super speed, when you don't have a club or a ball in play, it allows them mentally to free up and have greater intent with swinging. And then they see the speeds and they're like, oh, I can actually do this. And then, so that part is the mental part would be the subconscious, like you're speaking of, along with the body being able to like, oh, I found a sixth or seventh gear. I don't have to stay at 45 miles an hour. I can hit 60 miles an hour and I'm not gonna crash in a ditch and burn.
0: Yeah, and that's what, one of the things I think that gets misconstrued, and, and is that, and this is something that Jeff Ogilvie always says too, is that the best swingers on tour are the longest hitters because it, it, you know, it seems like with our conversation, they're they're the ones whose bodies allow them to swing the best.
1: Yeah, yeah, or they can use what they have the best.
0: Mm-hmm. Cause they Does they make sense? Yeah, they yeah, yeah, exactly, because they they aren't they aren't constricted. They're the longest hitters. They like, and this is what I always say to like my buddies who are like, I want to, I want to hit it further that are like, you know, just regular golfers, like average golfers play on the weekend is like, well, you need to like technically get into the right spots and you know, it drives them crazy cause they're, you know, good athletes in other sports yeah. and they can't, it's like, well, like you need the technique first off, but then, yeah. you know, your body needs to move in certain ways that are different than your body's used to moving.
1: For sure, yeah. So, um, and then again, the other thing with the either overspeed or underspeed training is, um, if you have a bigger engine, you'll be able to move faster. So the sp- super speed, and I believe they they are on the same page with me here. Um, they are helpful and they're great, but your ceiling's only so high unless you also do strength training with it. Mm-hmm. So, if you're just a hundred and thirty-five pounds soaking wet and you're a college golfer. Like it's great if you can swing the, those clubs very fast, but one, you're putting yourself at risk for injury or two, you're lowering your ceiling by not doing the strength conditioning along with that. Like it's a piece of the, of the equation. It's not the entire equation. Yeah. That's a good golf, golf myth bust right there.
0: That that makes sense. Yeah. It's a, you gotta do all the work. Nothing's, nothing's yeah. really easy. Um, right. So I have a Honda Accord you know, and I don't
1: think I, I, I think there's under 200 horsepower in that thing. Uh, great car, but, but nothing special. If I go and get like the transmission tuned perfectly and, you know, do all this work to help the little things, um, and the gears change better and all those things, like I'm still, my zero to 60 is still not going to be like five seconds or under. If I go and put, you know, a 450 power, um, horsepower engine in that thing, then I have a chance to have a, you know, zero to 16 under five seconds.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So, something unique with golf is the the duration when you're playing competitively. The duration yeah. of a round. What do you do from a training aspect that tackles like kind of the endurance a- aspect? I, I you know I hate to say, yeah. but just the length of time that you're out there. It's not a forty-eight minute basketball game, or right. you know.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, This is good. This is another myth that I wanted to get to. So um, another one of my friends is the uh, golf coach at North Alabama. Um, Shout out to the Lions. And uh, we had this conversation. He's like, dude, my guys fade at the end of rounds all the time. And um, he's like, do we need to run more? What's the deal? Like I feel pretty good about our our strength conditioning program. And um, the analogy I always use with that is if I can uh, bench press 400 pounds, and you can bench press 200 pounds, who's going to bench press 100 pounds more? It would be me, right? Like I can yeah. – yeah. I'm, I'm stronger, therefore I can do 100 pounds more for more reps. So it's the same thing with golf. If someone is only, you know, is, is, is weak and someone else is strong, the guy with the strength will also have better endurance throughout the round because they have a higher capacity.
0: That makes sense cuz if you're yeah. starting high everybody kind of loses at a pretty similar Correct. rate, right? In theory, yeah. Yeah, so if, if someone's
1: if you everyone's if you start at if someone's starting at 200% compared to someone starting at 100% and you both drop 50%, someone's at 50 and someone's at 100. Um and the other thing with that is with golf, I mean yeah, there's walking involved and there's endurance in that, but the actual swing is a very fast switch explosive movement. Um, And you're doing that, I I don't know what the play clock or what the uh, swing um, clock is on now, but I would think it's like once every 45 minutes, Mm -hmm. you're taking a a full swing and then you, you know, when you get to the green, it's going to, you're going to have a 15 minute break between, before you take another one. Um, So you still need to be able to take an explosive, do an explosive movement on the 18th tee box um, and then have control over that. So um, that's where I really believe that the strength aspect comes into play, where if you're not you're not strong and you're tired and not explosive and you get to the 18th tee box it's gonna be a bad it's gonna be a disaster where if you're used to playing and you're stronger than everybody else then you should be able to produce a better result on the 18th hole
0: yeah so if you play a lot and you're fading at the end of the round it's not an endurance thing it's it's probably just a starting strength thing
1: I would say I would say the majority of people are like that, especially with the guys. I mean, if if it's guys you're playing with for fun or in, you know, like club championships, like I would say almost 100 percent. There's probably some general conditioning that comes into that because it's guys that may or may not just be working at a desk all day and have like zero cardio uh, endurance at all. But as far as like it's not someone like, a you know, someone that's a cross country runner would need you know to have the same endurance as a golfer. Um, like obviously the need for cross country endurance is much greater because it's a, it's a aerobic movement, um, and sport. So, um, I would say that majority of the time speaking in generalizations, that it would be a strength issue.
0: What, what are some of the other myths that you wanted to hit on you? You alluded to, uh, it's,
1: it might be better just to keep talking and let me let them come out when (laughs) we go, um, the, the, yeah, I mean, well, it's mainly revolved around the golfers are weak and they need to get stronger. That's the the main thing I want to get out there.
0: Range of motion and strength are kind of intertwined, right?
1: Very good. Yeah, Yeah, that's great. Um, Yeah. So one thing we measure in our evaluation is active versus passive range of motion. So think passive range of motion is like I'm moving um, a joint for you and taking you as far as you can stretch. Okay. So then active would be how far can you move that joint and control it? So obviously there's a a big disparity between the two where the active is really big or sorry, the passive is really big and the active is really small. You have this large range of motion you can't control. So the only way that that helps, it only helps you if your body forces you to get in that position Mm
0: -hmm.
1: through something, through some movement. And then that's not actually beneficial because then you're moving through this large range of motion that you can't actually control. You have no strength in that range of motion.
0: That's I watched something with Adam Scott where he talked about how he was actually too flexible
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and where they had to do, that would
1: be the same idea. Yeah.
0: That, that'd be a good problem to have, you know? Yeah.
1: Right. (laughs) Right. And again, if you're, you know, depending um, on your podcast demographic, but most people that play golf um, at an amateur level, that's not the case, right? Because they sit at a desk all day and, and they're just, you know they they don't use this they, they lose the range of motion because they don't use it the you know if you don't if you don't use it you lose it principle. um and so they feel tight and they feel restricted um but again just moving moving will help them they should move a lot like the more you move the better but you should also not just stretch like lifting should help you feel even better than you should move and lift
0: yeah yeah that that makes sense i feel like the they're the lifting bugaboo with golf is, is so like, people are, you know, like when Rory got big, everybody, Oh, he's yeah. too big. Is there, is there any credence to getting too big? Like, you know, like where it restricts movement. Is that when it's a problem?
1: Yeah. Is I mean, that possible, uh, you yeah, know, we've talked no for sure. Yeah. Like we talked about, and, and again, like professional athletes are, are pretty type a and like addictive personality people right? Mm-hmm. Like to be great. I'm sure you've talked to some of these guys, like they're kind of out there. And, um, you know, when you look at someone like Elon Musk, like that guy's pretty extreme, he's not your normal human being. So to be like truly great, there's usually some type of, um, addictive or, um, you know, just some, some part of your brain that just pushes everything to the edge. And so they'll definitely happen with weightlifting where they just start like, Oh, I feel better. I look better. Um, and then they, they take it too far and they get too tight and they get too, um, and they focus on the wrong things as far as they don't do the movement stuff that they need to, to complement the, the lifting. They just like to talk about do a beach body workout and, um, you know, constantly training on that playing less golf. If you're not swinging constantly, then your mobility is going to, uh, decrease just because you're swinging a golf club, like you're rotating however many times a day when you practice, that's going to hold or increase your mobility by doing that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it can absolutely bound you up and tighten you up. Like we talked about getting everything short and tight instead of being able to, um, be neutral and strong.
0: So, so just moving, like you, like you just alluded to with, with swinging a golf club, I notice this because I'm in Chicago and I'll go weeks without touching a club and then I'll go play golf for five days yeah. and I'll notice like by the end of this golf trip, my, my swing, I can feel my swing that's longer and I'm playing better golf because it's like, it's getting back out there. Like that, if you don't use those muscles, they just, that's where they kind of not contract, but they actually get longer and and weaker and then they don't move as well.
1: Yeah. Depending on what it is, if it gets longer, weaker, shorter, tighter, I mean, Mm -hmm. shorter and tighter can also be weaker. Um, not to get too deep into muscle, uh, um, anatomy right now, but so, yeah, I mean, the idea is that um, if you if you don't ever raise your arm above your head and it doesn't help you survive, your body isn't going to keep that movement. OK, you know, like a survival principle, like it's not going to exert the energy to maintain that movement where it's basically telling yourself it's like, a, um, you know, like a short term evolution type thing where um, if you reach your if, if I never reach my hand over my head to grab something off a shelf, it's only this high. And you do this for 10 years, it's going to be, and you never move your hand above your head. It's going to be really hard to lift your hand above your head. Like that makes sense, right? Like Mm -hmm. your body has no need to do that movement anymore. So it's not going to keep that movement around. Um, it doesn't, it correlates that with something that doesn't have to do with surviving. So if you're eating every day and you're comfortable without moving anything overhead, um, then it's, you're not going to be able to do it. And then you do something like swing a golf club where you try to get back here and you're not
0: gonna be able to do it what uh what are some exercises that let's just say are are very popular if you went to you went to your local gym that people are doing that when you think about golf and the functional training of golf that you're that you're like god that that's not doing anything
1: oh um
0: maybe not a lot of it a lot
1: of it yeah no a lot of it's dictated by form Mm -hmm. So a lot of people have trouble with like your normal back squat. I have no, no issues with the actual back squat, the exercise, but if you don't have the hip mobility, if it's pushing you into a ton of back extension, um, which would be compressing that disc, uh, and you don't have the movement qualities necessary to do a proper back squat, then it's really bad for you to do. I love deadlifting. If you don't have the prerequisites physically to deadlift, then it's really bad for you to do. Um, so that's a little bit more of the, the take I look at. Um, if you're trying to be an athlete, I think the leg extension machine is probably the worst thing uh, for people to do because you're in a seated position and strengthening your quads more um, and reinforcing that pattern that you're in all day um, and doing an isometri- a, a isolated exercise that really has no effect on um, any athletic
0: well, it, movement
1: that you do. So that might not be the a- answer, but...
0: It's not a, it, like what you talked about earlier. It's not activating any part of your other body when you're just sitting there. Right. Correct. Correct. Yeah. It's like that idea when you're stretching to, and you're activating the opposite yeah. muscle, like if you're doing, so that leg extension, if you're doing like a one leg squat, you have to use your whole body. Right.
1: Yeah. I wish everyone was as easy as to, to talk to and understood it this well. because A lot of people just totally missed the point on these things. <laughs>
0: I, I don't know. I, I, am a, I'm very remedial. I have a lot of, yeah, I've got but a lot it's of also, stuff to do. Yeah.
1: But it's, I mean, it's, you're spot on with what you're saying there.
0: Well, it, it, so it, it's, it's just like, when I think about it from my personal side of things I think like a lot of it is I sit in this chair like all day and yeah. it's like getting, and I think this is where a lot of golfers struggle is like getting just even to a point where you can do a squat because of like hip tightness, hamstring, you know, weak hamstrings. And that is a long process to get there. And I think that's where people fall off so much with fitness.
1: For sure. Yeah. It's an everyday thing. And it's, it's chipping away. I mean, it's just like anything golf. It's the same type of deal. Like, you know, I'm sure everyone that you play with complains about their short game being great, but how many guys go out and practice a short game for a couple hours a week?
0: Yeah that's, yeah, that's like very
1: <laughs> that sucks. It's not fun, uh, you know, but if you chip away, at, no pun intended, if you chip away at it and you work at it, then it, it'll eventually get better if you spent 10 minutes a day doing it. It's no different with the body and moving. If you if you stood up there and you did some type of even yoga type stuff in your, um, you know, right beside your desk there for 10 minutes a day in a month, I'm sure you would feel like you move better.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got one of those uh, rollers. Yep. And I just have it out in my living room. And I like when I'm watching a basketball game at night, I'm just I roll on it. And it's it's made an unbelievable difference, like how Mm -hmm. I feel even just waking up in the morning. For sure. How do you uh, how do you make it fun? You know, you just talked about how it's it's not, you know, a lot of this stuff's not fun. How do you in like when I practice golf, I go out and I try and gamify it to make it really fun. Like I do different, different drills where I can, you know, have a little pressure and make it feel like more than just practice.
1: Well, we do almost all small group training. So, um, you know, if you get a group of high school guys working out together, then it's doesn't take much to get them to start competing with each other in whatever they're doing. So that would be the one thing is get a workout partner. Um, I work out with the same guy every single day. Uh, So even on days where he doesn't want to do anything, I can, he kind of has to keep up with me and vice versa. When I don't want to do anything, I have to keep up with him. Um, It works out well. We're about the, about the same strength levels on, on all lifts. So we pretty much can just, um, if I'm a little bit stronger in something, he is motivated to catch up with me and vice versa. If he's stronger in something, I want to catch up with him. So having someone to do it with, I think is the biggest thing. Um, Just like anything else, setting goals and saying, hey, I want to get to A, B, and C by the state um, would be a good way to do it. Uh, And then, I mean, there's, um, I think there's different types of even communities or Facebook groups you could join or something like that too, where you're tracking your progress or or doing something like MyFitnessPal or tracking calories with diet and tracking what you eat and see how um, that's changing. So I think um, any type of accountability that you can create is is the biggest thing with working out that's why people pay personal trainers right because Mm -hmm. they have to show up and they have to do something um so accountability with someone and then also having um some type of peer pressure uh, along with that accountability to to push you to do it would be the two biggest things and find something you like like i hate running i'm not going to go i'm not going to create a program for myself where i'm running every day i hate it like that's miserable i enjoy lifting Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, so I'm going to lift more than anything else. Like, do I try to do some cardio? Yeah. I don't do as much as I should, but you know, if you hate yoga, don't go to yoga class. Like go find something that you like. If you like orange theory, great. Go do that. Um, you know, there are some things that people should not like some people should not do CrossFit. They're not able or possible to do it, but find some other type of high intensity interval training class that you can go to that is better suited for you if you like that type of workout. So, um, that's the other big thing is find something that you really enjoy doing or that you can do with your friends or that some of your friends enjoy doing and think you might like it eventually. Um, because it all, I mean, no one likes doing stuff they suck at, right? Like that's why I don't play a lot of golf. I'm terrible. I don't enjoy it. It, it just makes me mad. So I don't do it that much. If I had a group of guys that I kind of played with here and there, um, I'm sure I would do it more and I would enjoy it more and I'd get better and that sort of thing. But, um, starting off it, it's, if you don't do anything, getting back into it is going to be rough.
0: Yeah that's I mean the first I feel like I this last year I didn't work out much and I've I've been renewed because I've actually been home not traveling but like once you get there's a moment when you that you cross where like all of a sudden you're at the gym and you're just hoping for it to end and then there's like a day that it flips where you like you keep doing more you do more and you want to yeah. go do more and that's like the best right. it's like the best uh, feeling of accomplishment you can get you know
1: yeah for sure I mean, again, like I do this for a living and I still have those days where it's like, what do I have left to do? Like, can this thing be over now? Um, and it's just a matter of kind of getting through those days. And there's other days where you're talk, like you're talking about where I get done with my workout. I'm like, what else can I do? Is there something, is like I do two more sets of something real quick um, because you're feeling it. So, um, and that would be, you know, that's a good lesson too in the gym. If you, if you have a day where you're it's a, I'm going to make myself do something day, make it a little bit shorter. And then know that if you're going to have a day where you feel really good, you're going to do a little bit more. But don't, you know, it's, it shouldn't be something where it's like someone's holding a gun to your head making you do it and you're miserable. It should be something that, that there is some enjoyment and maybe if just the, the fact that you're done with it and you feel accomplished, but some type of enjoyment associated with it.
0: Okay, so say uh, say say I'm a parent of a burgeoning golfer, you know, young golfer. What, what age should I really start thinking about you know, functional and strength training for, for a kid? I, I know this is always a question that yeah. comes up. Uh,
1: depending on the maturity of the kid, uh, we would say around 12. So mm-hmm. we also, we've, we've played around, had some stuff like youth athletic development uh, classes where it is geared more towards a nine and 10 year old. Um, so if it's something like that, where it's a, it's a, again, a group setting that's more designed around kind of like playing and uh races and those sort of things that type of physical activity then that's great or um i mean gymnastics would be great for that as well um but as far as like a training aspect something where it's a 45 minutes to an hour of of playing and body weight movements um, is a great thing for a kid that's nine or ten years old um and then once 12 comes around get them into more of like a weight training setting uh one myth overall about weight training is that stunts growth that's not true if you're,
0: if you're I like, I heard of that when I was a kid, you're right. No, for sure. I did too.
1: Like I started lifting when I was 15 because my dad thought stunted growth. Um, if you're loading up a back squat on like a nine-year-old and you're like compressing the disc and the, the spine, um, in a very heavy manner at a very young age, then you probably won't grow as much, um, than if you let the, the person naturally develop. But, um, just like doing a reverse lunge with five pounds in your hand is not going to stunt growth um, or doing push-ups, Like we do pushups, but we don't let kids bench press dumbbells. You know, it's like, well, what? the dumbbells are actually lighter yeah. compared to your body weight. So what's just because it's body weight, you're okay with it. Like it, it, makes no sense. Um, and then the other part of the, your, your question would be the, how much do they uh, specialize? So if you're, if you're nine and you're playing golf, baseball, basketball, and you're, you know, playing each four months a year, then you don't really need to work out. Like go, go play basketball in the back backyard for your workout. Um, but if you're just doing golf and you are specializing, then you need to do something else to increase that movement library and help you become an overall better athlete.
0: What if you're, you know, and I know this is impossible where you just are diagnosing right. one thing because everybody's different. Everybody moves different. Yeah. But if I, if I said, hey, I really want to increase my speed, what would be the like the best simple thing I could do on a on a regular basis to increase speed?
1: My first answer would be, let's get you stronger. Very first thing I'd say to you is we need to get you stronger. Um, and again, with that strength, excuse me, uh, I am going to um, assume that within that strength training program, you are getting a quality movement in the strength the training. So if you get quality movement in the strength training, then it should fix, again, the low hanging fruit that, um, that is the mobility issue that someone that sits at a desk most of the day has. Um, so that would be the first thing, um, and then the second thing would be like actually working on um, hip mobility and strength through the movement. So you asked for one thing or one.
0: Yeah, I was was just going to say one exercise. One exercise, okay. I was going to say, I'm going to go go for it broke with one exercise. Okay,
1: yeah. Sorry, I knew I was going to get off on a tangent (laughs) It's okay. question started.
0: um, It's an impossible question because everybody's got to be a little bit different probably.
1: For sure. If you can um, deadlift with really good form, if you can do like a trap bar deadlift with really good form, I would say that would be the one that would... That I would start with,
0: because it's going to work so many aspects of your body, right?
1: Correct. Yeah, it's a, it's as much of a full body exercise lift as you can have.
0: Mm-hmm. And it makes and it sense. creates
1: stiffness and strength, especially through the middle of your body.
0: Yeah, it may, that's what it makes so much sense given what you said right off the beginning about the idea of doing exercises where lots of parts of your body are are active during it, as opposed to just you know static.
1: Yeah, a, a, a lot of people will say that. With um, that type of question, if you could do three things for any athlete, it would be um, some type of deadlift variation, a sprint, and some type of medicine ball throw.
0: That that makes sense. um yeah. so how can people can find you? You're on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Do you, you have a podcast. How do how do people find you for you know if they're interested in learning more?
1: Yeah, uh, first and foremost, my company is called Revolution Sports Performance. We're in Orlando, Florida. Um, our website's pretty basic, but it's revolutionsp.com. Um, and then for my personal, um, social media is Barrett underscore Stover. So B A R R E T T underscore Stover last names like the chocolates. Um, and then the podcast is a whole lot of BS. It's so like BS.
0: Like Barrett Stover. Hey, how about uh, that? And, and, Let's yeah, get a little yep. h- play on uh, words there.
1: Appreciate it. Appreciate <laughs> it. I, I get lucky every once in a while. Uh, so um, then that's on, um, all of the, the podcast channels of, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, SoundCloud, yeah, yeah. Stitcher. Yeah. It's, it's uploaded. I upload through anchor. So it's on all of them. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for, for me.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on and, uh, you know, giving us some dropping some knowledge on the fitness aspect. I, I, I think, uh, everybody can do just a little bit It's so, you know, that's the thing. It's just yeah. doing a little bit more than you're doing and you're going to see improvement
1: for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that's do something like we talked about, like, like move and find some type of movement that you like doing. Uh, and, and a shameless plug here at the end, we also do online training. So if there are any people out there that, um, live in, uh, the middle of Wyoming or somewhere like that, where they're pretty restricted and, and don't have anyone to work with, we'd be happy to help Um, Again, we work with ages, I think we have ages 12 to 49 right now. So uh, we see a wide variety of clients, and we're happy to help anyone who's dedicated to to becoming a healthier human. So um, just because you're not a professional golfer or a professional baseball player doesn't mean that that we wouldn't be happy to work with you.
0: That's, uh, I was, it's funny, my wife and I like, kicked around the idea of moving somewhere that's not like we live in chicago area so it's like we have everything we need but one of the things that restricted us we were in like we were looking at a small town in michigan and it was like god there's like not like a real gym here you know and uh yeah that's tough it's that's a lot of the country doesn't have like a really nice gym to go work out at yeah
1: Well, I'm so snotty now that I hate going to like LA fitness because I'm used to working out like in my gym where it's (laughs) myself and one other person with the whole gym to ourselves. And, um, you know, I don't have to deal with other people. I don't have to worry about the equipment they have, like all this sort of thing. So yeah, I definitely feel you there.
0: Yeah. Um, so no, no shameless plugs. That's, I I think online, online training is, uh is a great way to go and I think you're seeing it with golf too the ability with video how much you can do yeah. is just extraordinary I mean For sure. whenever I have something that's ailing me I like Google and I find like YouTube and there's like it's unbelievable the the wealth of knowledge out there yeah. So
1: no, it's it's going in the right direction.
0: All right. So thanks so much for coming on, Barrett, and uh, everybody go go follow Barrett, his company Revolution SP yeah. Uh, yeah. on uh, on Twitter and uh, Instagram.
1: Thanks so much, Andy.
0: Thanks.